0: Everyone doing this morning? Hey, why don't we thank the worship team as they head to their seats this morning. Why don't we thank the worship team? Hey, yeah, uh, terrific. So what is it, um, as uh, Tony said, my name's Josiah, and if I haven't met you before, now we have. <laughs> um, what is it in Kelowna that everyone sits over here? Or is there something that you've done, Amy and Stephanie? Like, have you, is there, is there something going on that I don't know about? No? Yes. What is it? What is it, Amy? It's a secret. Okay. Well, everyone here can tell me. Obviously, someone here or people here know something. Everyone's over here, and half of the people are over here. Um, but it's so great that you are all here this morning. I'm just trying to make sure I can see you through all of this. Um, I have uh, I have a, a great privilege of being. Uh, associate pastor under Pastor Dave and Kim, who you see more regularly. Uh, My wife and I, Kimberly, we are located in Vernon at our Vernon location. Did you know that we are a church with more than one location? Right now, we are the church gathered here, but we are the church gathered in Vernon. We are the church gathered in Revelstoke together, all with the same purpose and the same desire, sharing resources and pursuing the things that God has called us specifically to do. Did you know that as a church, we are called to do something different than other churches are called to do? we have a unique calling, just like you in your seat alone have a unique calling than the person beside you. And discovering that calling is really important. If you don't discover that calling as unique, you will always be a square peg trying to be in a round hole when God designed you to be a square peg in a square hole. Um, We are in a series, and we, we sort of opened this up. Pastor Dave opened this up two weeks ago. Then we took a little bit of a break for Thanksgiving Last week and over the next three weeks, you'll hear from myself, uh, Pastor Kimberly, my wife, and Pastor Dave on our three core values. And I want to give you a hint right off the start because I have not been in Kelowna for quite some time, is that if I start asking you to repeat things like, it, like this, I'll say, hey, why don't you say core values? core values, right? The quicker that you are to respond to those things, the less likely I'm going to continue to do it. It's a way for me to wake you up and make sure that you're with me. So if you're not doing it, it just means I do it more. Right, So it's just a, a, little, a little trick there, because I like when the church is responsive, because if the church says nothing, I don't actually know if you're with me. And your response tells me that we're walking this journey together, and if I get up here and share something and no one walks with me, I could have done it in front of the mirror at home. But I actually have this belief that the word of God shared and communicated in community transforms us and does something to us. Now, the the reality is that I can say something, and if you choose not to listen or allow it to uh, uh, dig roots into your soul, then it will not change you. God's interested in that way. He waits for you to give permission for something to transform your life. His word is transformative. His word is powerful, yet you have to give permission for his word to transform and be power. It's, it's sort of what Tony was saying. We can speak about generosity, but it will not transform your life if you don't personally then take the action of being generous just becomes a theory. Um, and I got the, the privilege of talking about the Holy Spirit. So on this little screen here, you see Planted, The Honest Journey, and Holy Spirit. And this is what we're going to talk about over the next three weeks. Uh, I do encourage you to have notes, but uh, more than that, I encourage you to um, lean in and try and sense what the Holy Spirit is saying. So firstly, this, let me give you my title. Um, and then I want to I go through this in a, in a different path uh, a little bit. For the day, Uh, but my title is First Century Expression in the 21st Century. First Century Expression in the 21st Century. I see two people taking notes, three people taking notes. I'll wait. First Century Expression in the 21st Century, when we first wrote down our core values of what it meant for us. Now core values maybe needs an explanation. It means this, that these are essentials for us as a church. If these things didn't exist, we wouldn't think it was worth existing. And when we first wrote these down, we called it first century expression in the 21st century, which we've abridged to Holy Spirit. Because how many of you know that you are going to have an easier time remembering Holy Spirit than first century expression in the 21st century? You can tell as I try to say it multiple times that I'm almost starting to stutter. But really what we were wanting to communicate in it that maybe gets lost is that we believe the things that were available and accessible to the first century church are accessible to the 21st century church. It's actually a a doctrinal statement or a theological statement called we believe that we are continuists, not cessationists, which means that cessationism means that the gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased after the apostles passed away we are continuists. We believe that the gifts of the Spirit have continued even after the apostles passed away. We believe that the same power that, that existed in the apostles to see the miraculous happen exists today and is accessible and available to you. Yes. How many of you believe that? All right, so we still got to do this resp- call and response thing a bit more. I get it. It's all good. So we believe that the Holy Spirit is available in power, strength, and might to move in your world. And I believe that actually one of the reasons the church does not see the miraculous is because we are not allowing that space to move. Because sometimes we're really okay with the Holy Spirit being in a back closet at our house rather than being up front. He's the weird uncle, we think, for some reason. I'm an uncle. I'm probably the weird uncle in my family, actually, too, if I think about it. Family members, no responses allowed. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit is actually the person of the Trinity that gives today and provides power in our life. I would, would say that if you are not operating the Holy Spirit, you are missing out on something that God has for you. Yeah. You're not missing out on salvation, but you're missing out on the power that God has for you. Um, I want to read, or I want to ask this question maybe for a moment, and we'll use our service here as a, a training tool today. Uh, and and everyone's going to need to respond here, is, is my question is, during our last three songs of worship, how many of you felt like you experienced the presence of God? Would you raise your hand? Some, not all, but some, felt the presence of God. So we believe that the presence of God is something that we can feel, which actually comes from our belief that the Holy Spirit is still active today. Now, if you're someone here who did not feel that, then I want to journey us through today, and I want us to get to a space where we can feel the presence of God. And what I really think is is, uh, we believe in what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which means a subsequent or a secondary baptism, baptism in water and baptism in fire. It's what was talked about on Acts 2. The disciples were together in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit came like tongues of fire on them. Have you ever read that scripture before? Why don't we turn to it right now, Caleb, if you can toss it to the screen. Acts 2, starting in verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, everyone say Pentecost. Pentecost. All the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, meaning they should all be speaking a different language than they were. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Oh, more words, Phrygia, Pamphilia, Egypt, I'm not saying any of these right, just so you know, uh, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other, but others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying they're just drunk, that's all. You know, it's funny, I called the Holy Spirit the crazy uncle. This sort of pictures that, doesn't it? Some people are thinking, wow, how amazing. And other people are thinking, wow, how drunk. And I think sometimes because of the concern of criticism things, we've, we've put the Holy Spirit aside in fear of the criticism. But you can't actually walk out in the power and authority that God has for you without the reality of criticism. If I'm afraid that someone may criticize me or think wrongly about me, I will never outwork the things that God has for me. Tithing, I remember the first time. I remember I was working uh, in construction, and I grew up tithing. So 10% of your income, that's what tithe means, 10%. So I'd give 10% of my income, and I remember working in construction, and I had these jeans, and I I don't like waste as well, so this was a, a play, but my jeans had holes everywhere in it. One of the guys works with me, he's like, why don't you stop your tithing for a moment and buy yourself a new pair of jeans? And I looked crazy to him. But I have a conviction of something that didn't matter if I looked crazy to him or not. If you want to see the outworking of the Holy Spirit, if you want to see the outworking of what God has for you, you have to be okay with some people looking at you and not understanding it. Yeah. <laughs> not being okay with it. If, if our desire is for full understanding, we will not get full power from God. And I, I, I'm, I, uh, I love this this expression here, this Acts chapter 2. When the disciples are in the upper room on Pentecost, Pentecost happens 49 days after Passover. Passover is when Jesus died on the cross, which is a picture, uh, uh, so, so beautiful a picture because Passover was a celebration in the Jewish faith of the Egyptians being passed over and grace being extended to them on, from God on high to not die or have penalty while they were in slavery. And yet, Jesus dies on this exact same monumental moment to show the grace that Jesus pours out for us, that we would be redeemed and saved from the freedom of slavery that sin has given us. Such a beautiful picture. And this Passover, uh, or sorry, this Pentecost moment is 49 days after Passover, and it's actually a Jewish celebration. This is why the Jewish people are there when they're in the upper room. And it's a celebration of the first fruits, harvest. It's a celebration of the beginning of fruitfulness happening in their life. And I think it's just such a beautiful picture that we are actually seeing when the Holy Spirit comes onto your life. It is the first fruits of something. It's the pouring out. It is also, Pentecost was also in the Jewish faith, a reminder of the receiving of the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of your Bible, the the Ten Commandments, the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And it's this reminder that they celebrated on Pentecost that at that moment, that was when God created a covenant or a commitment to the people of Israel. So when we see the Holy Spirit come, it is a reminder of the covenant and the commitment that Jesus promised that he was going to send a helper to us to be comfort, to be a provider, to be available to us, to be empowering and embodied in us his power and his strength to us. So much symbolism and beauty to the reflection of what the Jewish faith was and what Christ fulfilled out of the Jewish faith. Now, I want to read, um, because we're talking about our values, I want to read a couple things. We have a a statement of faith. I know you maybe don't read it very often, but I want to read these three statements out of our statement of faith. These are things that, as our church, we believe and hold to. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to agree with the statement of faith. But what we've learned about our core values as a church is that we're not changing them. (laughs) So you don't have to believe with them, but you are going to encounter them. We're a church that believes in the spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit, which means if you don't, that's okay, but we're going to prophesy. We're going to pray in tongues. We're going to believe in the gifts of discernment, and we're going to believe that those are available to you, whether you believe in them or not. It's amazing how many people I've met over the years that grew up in a uh, conservative uh, religious or conservative Christian background, whatever it was, and then they saw God miraculously heal. And they had to reconcile what they had believed was the seizing of those gifts and the reality of seeing God's miraculous power. These are three statements from our statement of faith that refer to this. as we believe there is one God eternally existing as three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit is God and is existent today as fullness in the Trinity. We believe in God the Holy Spirit, who is God's presence and power on the earth. He reveals Christ to people. He inhabits and transforms the lives of believers. We believe in his ongoing role to empower the Christian life. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about the fact that I cannot actually solve the problems in my world with my own strength. It requires the strength of the Holy Spirit to give me the power to move on behalf of things that I cannot do in my own strength. Come on, you've probably been a person that has tried to solve something in your life with no avail. Failed miserably, continuously. Well, that's actually where we believe the Holy Spirit will strengthen you to be able to do something that is not possible in your own power. And the third statement, we are a part of a Pentecostal movement. We may not not be a part of a Pentecostal denomination, but by beliefs we are Pentecostal, which comes from this scripture, chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples. We are a Pentecostal movement. We believe in the operation of spiritual gifts, which are given to believers for the building up of the church. Did you know that your spiritual gifts are not for show? And they're not for you. Your spiritual gifts are given so that you can build up the church. Did you know that your salvation starts with you, but it's so that you can bring salvation to other people? The Holy Spirit convicts and challenges you so you can bring comfort and testimony to other people. Our faith, I'm sorry for for what our society has taught you, but our faith is not actually just for us. Canadian society says that faith is a personal matter, but that's not what God says faith begins as a personal matter, and out of the personal reality, it becomes a public matter. We believe that all Christians can expect to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the usual evidence of speaking in other tongues, and can experience being filled with the Holy Spirit on innumerable occasions. Everyone say innumerable. Innumerable. Checking if you're still with me. I've always, uh, I, I grew up in this church, um, and I don't really know what it would be like to believe the other, that spiritual gifts are not available. Um, and I don't say that as a criticism. I, I just, it's always been a part of my world. And and I'm not sure, um, I'm not sure that I would want it to be different. You know, and if that's a thing that, like, You have yet to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I I want there to be a space here that you can encounter what that is. My son, uh, I have two of my, my two sons here with me today, and uh, one of them is nine. So we were talking on our drive here from Vernon. It was about 45 minutes. So I was asking, hey, what do you know about the Holy Spirit? (laughs) He's answering. I was like, hey, what do you know about speaking in tongues? He's like, uh, he's like, you do it a lot. Yep, that's right. (laughs) I'm like, what is it? He's like, well, it's it's like when you don't have the words enough to say, to pray. So then you say, you know, and then he mocked me. No, he didn't really. But, <laughs> but then he repeated in his own understanding of what that was, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's that. He's like, yeah, that's exactly what I said, Dad. And I'm like, okay, good, good. But, you know, sometimes I need, uh, I I don't know about you. Maybe you guys are just more eloquent or more spiritual than I am, but there's times where I just need the Holy Spirit to pray for me because I don't know what to do. You know, I don't know what your week's been like, but I know people who've had weeks this week that they don't have words to say. If they were to pray to God, they wouldn't know what to say. They wouldn't know what to communicate. They wouldn't know how to say it, but that is the beauty of praying in tongues is that the Holy Spirit can intercede on my behalf for me when I don't have the words to say it. We have times and spaces where we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. I was uh, uh, reading in, um, uh, well, it was from a website. It was a journal, a science journal, science.org, and it was written by a gentleman named Constance Holden, and it talks about praying in tongues. Glossolalia is the technical term, which I'm sure you won't won't leave here remembering. Uh, But glossolalia, they did a science study on the neurology, what happened when people were praying in tongues. And they used five ladies from uh, an American black gospel church, and they had them sing, and they studied their brain when they sang, and then they studied their brain when they uh, prayed in tongues. Really interesting. Um, It says, uh, glossolalia provided a significantly different pattern of brain activity than singing. The team reports in the November issue of psychiatry research neuroimaging, perhaps the most important difference was a decrease in frontal lobe function. Newberg says, the part of the brain that normally makes them feel in control has been essentially shut down. I wonder if praying in tongues is, is really a space that reminds us who is in control. Because there's a lot in my world that, when I'm in control, doesn't go very well. And it's interesting that when you pray in tongues, it shuts down the spot that you think you're in control. It goes on to say, another notable change was increased activity in the periatal, I'm butchering it, I'm sure, region of the part of the brain that, that takes sensory information and tries to create a sense of self and how you relate to the rest of the world. Newberg says, the findings make sense, says Newberg, because speaking in tongues involves relinquishing control while gaining a very intense experience of how the self relates to God. Isn't that interesting? That when you pray in tongues, it shuts down the spot of your brain that thinks you're in control, and it highlights the part of the brain that discovers who self is in the world. It's as though praying in tongues identifies and and connects you with the Father God who tells you who you are, who identifies who yourself is. When everyone else and every other thing wants to tell you what you are, it identifies who you are. In um, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 11, we're going to go there. Now, just looking at my time. Uh, It says, now, dear brothers and sisters, this is Paul speaking to the the church in Corinth regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, spiritual giftings. I don't want you to misunderstand this. Thanks, Paul. Uh, You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit will curse Jesus, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. To the same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. This is a list. There's three different lists throughout Scripture of spiritual gifts. This is a list in 1 Corinthians. Uh, there's another one further on in 1 Corinthians 12 as well about the offices, sometimes we'll call them. Um, you know, and that's getting deep into doctrine and theology, which you're all riveted by. Um, but I think the thing that we need to pull out of that is the reality that there are these different gifts that are given. Now, remember, when a gift is given, it means that you didn't do anything to earn it. Now, once you receive a gift, you then have the opportunity and you have the, I think, responsibility to develop that gift, like a skill, like a talent. You're given something. Now, what are you going to do with it? I've met people who have the gift of discernment, discerning between spirits, like what's good and what's wrong. Um, And yet, when I see people operate in an undeveloped gift of discernment, it inevitably moves, moves into the reality of suspicion rather than discernment. Because an undeveloped gift is still a gift, but if you don't find the space to develop it, you'll, you'll miss something. And I think we are a church, or we are a church, that has space to develop these gifts, whether it be a gift of service, whether it be a gift of prophecy, whether it be a gift of speaking in tongues or the interpretation of tongues. Have you ever been in a service where there's the interpretation of tongues? I remember being in a service with the interpretation of tongues. It blew my spiritual mind. And I actually think as I, as I grow up and as I have my kids grow up in the church, I realize that the things that have anchored me so deep in the faith are these experiences that are unmistakable as the realities of God moving in my life. Yes. Because actually to have an enduring faith, you can't just have a theoretical faith. To have an enduring faith, you have to have an experience with a a God that is still alive, that impacted you personally, that can tell you that even whatever else I'm trying to understand, comprehend, because I can't understand the mysteries of God, even though I can't understand all of these things, I have had this experience that tells me this is truth. Undeniable, unmistakable. I think like this this science journal that talks about the disconnecting in praying in tongues, the disconnection of the space where we're trying to control. I don't know about you, but I have found that when I'm trying to control things, that it's very hard to experience the presence of God. I am in lots of different church services across our church with different people, and I say that to say, if I say things about people in churches, I'm not saying it about you guys specifically, because sometimes I sound... But I see people sometimes, and they're so deep in thought that, that God doesn't have an open door to speak to them. I see people who are so concerned about these things. It's why Scripture tells us to turn our worries into prayers. Because worries means that I am thinking, how can I handle it? And prayers means, I am thinking, how is God going to handle it? Turn your worries into prayers. That's how the message version translations it. translates it. Turn your worries into prayer. Not my control, God's control. If you want to be in an environment where you can experience the presence of God, because here's, here's something, you know, I asked early, how many of you experienced the presence of God in worship? Some of you said yes. Some of you said no. And I'm not criticizing one or the other. But generally, that means that God's presence was here. Someone felt God's presence, so God's presence was here. So what's keeping me from experiencing what the person beside me is experiencing? Is it that I'm trying to think through all the things that I want to do rather than giving space for God to fill that space in my mind? Is it that I'm too consumed over here? Or is it that I'm whatever it is, but is there a reality that I could make a choice and a decision? I have to do this as a pastor. I have to do this as a parent. I have to choose when I'm at the front row or wherever I am in worship, I have to choose to worship. Isn't that absurd? but you actually have to make a choice. If you come into church and you're anticipating for the leadership or the worship team to make that choice for you, you're just not going to encounter it. It's just like generosity. Tony can speak about generosity all day up here, but if you don't do anything, you will never see God's ability to be provider in your life. You'll never see that because it actually takes your step of faith. uh, I, I like to preach long, so... Um I don't want to miss some things i want to I want to demonstrate some things for you. Is that all right? Yeah. I'm going to demonstrate some things for you and and I personally you know like it says in that scripture that different people have different gifts. Uh, a gift that I have felt God uh, give me uh, more than most would be prophecy, like more than other gifts, not more than you. That's what I mean by that. Um, so I feel uh, the, the prophecy. And one thing that a pastor I know, his name's Greg French, what he says, he says that prophecy, uh, the encouragement is the beginning of prophecy. And encouragement, and I don't know if you've ever thought about the, the vernacular of this or the words of this, right? We have this word discouragement. Everyone knows what discouragement is? Everyone knows what encouragement is? right? Discouragement, we know what that feels like. Encouragement, we know what that feels like, perhaps. But it's the instilling of courage or the taking away of courage. Encouragement is giving courage to people. Have you ever thought about that? It's providing courage. It's speaking courage. It's speaking life into people's world. Prophecy, at its core, is encouraging people into the things that God has for them. Because how many of you know that God says good things about you? Yet sometimes you're saying bad things about you. So you have someone come in, and what they speak into your world is an encouragement into what God actually has for you. Yes. One of the easiest ways to prophesy is to speak Scripture over people's lives, to speak courage into people's lives from the Word of God. So I, I, I find there are times when I, uh, I feel prophetic words. And I felt, uh, I don't know if this is relevant or not, but in preparation for this, I felt... Um, like, let me, let me say this differently. Easy. Did you know you can draw on God to get more of what God has for you? Okay, like, if I, what, you know, like, if I'm trying to learn how to play an instrument, what most people would say is that you need to practice. <laughs> that will improve your skill set. We ask our worship teams to practice their instruments, not just on Sunday, because that will improve it. And if they just play on Sunday, it will not improve it. You get what I'm saying? If you want a skill to improve, you practice it. If you want to improve your giftings, if you want to have better access to it, then you have to make some practices of things, right? If you want a better relationship with God, you have to spend some time with God in prayer, in the Word. If you want a better understanding of Scripture, you need to spend time in the Scripture. And one of the things, and we'll talk about it next month in November as we go through Christian disciplines, is one thing that I've found gives me greater access to God is fasting. And I felt like we wanted to have some, I wanted to have greater access to God, so I have been fasting for the last few days for this service. It's a simple thing. And you know what? Every time a friend of mine, is Jake in here? No. I asked. Oh, he is in here. I asked Jake yesterday. I was like, oh, because I don't know if you've ever done fasting. This is an aside. We'll still get to what I'm going to. But have you ever done fasting and immediately you're thinking about your first meal? It's like thinking of your last meal before you're dying or something like that. So immediately, I'm like, okay, Sunday at lunch, I'm having Mexican. So of course, I asked Jake, Jake, where's the best Mexican in Kelowna? So he tells me. And then he proceeds to tell and list off all the meal items at this Mexican restaurant to me. Like, oh, the enchiladas, oh, the empanadas, the the chili rianos. I'm like, could you shut up, please, Jake? (laughs) Dear Lord, bless Jake right now. Thank you for the suffering he's putting me through. But it's interesting, when you fast, you, you discover a sense of suffering that draws you closer to God. Uh, and I just say that to say that um, I say that to say, that sometimes the things that we want actually are going to cost us something, and if you're not willing to pay a price, you're not willing to get something greater. The greater things in your world do require a price. I, I like the contrast of the disciples in, second, uh, in the, uh, Acts verse 2, because the disciples are in the upper room 49 days after uh, Passover, Pentecost. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit. They're up there praying. But do you know where they were when Jesus died? When Jesus died, they did not have hope. They did not have a belief in something to come. And their, their operation and their reaction to Jesus' death looks very different than their operation and the reaction to Jesus' ascent to heaven. It cost them something to believe. both are still true. Jesus is gone. Jesus was gone here. Jesus was gone here, but they had a hope and a willingness to sacrifice time, energy towards something that they believed in. I wonder often how long they had to wait. For the Holy Spirit. You know, I love what you know Johanna did in the service this morning in worship leading. And she communicated. She said, Hey, we're waiting because Holy Spirit's not here yet. Someone could have thought she was drunk. I don't know. <laughs> scripture. We're using scripture reference. Yeah, yeah, sure. good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Someone could have judged that as something different. Oh, she's unprepared. Oh, she doesn't know what to do. But actually, you're going to have to take some risks to get into the place where you encounter the presence of God. I've heard it said this way, a, a lecturer in my college when I was in Bible college. He said, when you get up in the morning, or what he did, what he gets up in the morning, he prays until he feels the Holy Spirit. We just think we'll pray for five minutes, ten minutes. No, actually, you're trying to get somewhere. We'll worship until we feel the Holy Spirit. Because there's a reality of if I, if I just think it's five minutes or ten minutes, then it's just on my own works. Even when I preach, I need to get to a spot where I feel like the Holy Spirit's in the room. Otherwise, it's just my own words. And I, I think highly of myself. I really do. But I don't think that highly of myself. I don't think high enough of myself that my words are going to transform your life. I do think high enough that if I can get to the spot where God's there, where the Holy Spirit moves, where the Holy Spirit settles in the place where people can encounter heaven, where, where, where there's a, a, a space where heaven is touching earth, then I think transformation can happen. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a few words I want to share. Justin, come on here. No, come on here, Justin. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, see, you you were trying to avoid it. Why don't you stand here? No, stand here, stand here. I have a, a word for you. You don't know what to do. Great. Right. <laughs> it's terrific. He might be drunk. No, I'm joking. <laughs> he missed that as well. Sorry if I've offended you. I won't be here next week. <laughs> Uh, here's what I, I felt um, is I felt like uh, I wanted to pray over you, and that that God wants to increase your capacity and give you wild, wider shoulders. And uh, I don't know you very well at all, <laughs> um, but I would say, uh, you know, like anything that God gives you, you know, God prepares you, God gives you something that you're not prepared for. That's how I have unfortunately found is he doesn't give me what I'm prepared for. He prepares me after he gives it to me. Um, because if he prepared me first, then it'd be my strength. If he prepares me during, then it's his strength. So God gives you more than you can handle. Um, so yet, what I was saying earlier is that God's a gentleman. Uh, I didn't say that specifically, but God only. God can only speak to you if you let him. So I believe God wants to increase your capacity, and give you wider shoulders. Wider shoulders always speaks of increased capacity, but you have to say yes to something you're not prepared for. I don't know what that is or isn't, but that's what I want to pray over you. So God, I pray that you would, uh, I would, I pray that you would give a yes in his spirit, God. Um, God, I, I know there is a price to be paid for everything that you provide for us, God, I have found it to be worth the price paid. Yes. God, the hardest part is paying the price when you've yet to have the the monuments or the experiences before. And I, I don't know enough of Justin's story, but God, I pray that if there's a monument, you remind him of it. And if there's not, that you would give him the faith to believe for building a monument for his future and for his family's future. Uh, God, I, I see uh, a, a width of capacity um, not just for his own, but actually for a lineage behind him. Yes. Oh. Yes. God, I pray that you would give him strength, uh, and not strength that is a bulldozer, but strength that is gentle. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, maybe uh, I grew up in a church like this, this church. I want to just add something, if I can, as we walk through this. I have three or four more words here um, that I wrote down earlier is, uh, no, I'm good without the keys, but thank you, because I knew I was going to pray over Justin already. So, no, because I'm going to pray over Scott. So, I just, just, they're like, do you want instruments? I'm like, no, because I'm going to pray over both of you. So, it's just going to be awkward and bad if that happens. This uh, <laughs> is so good. But here's what I want to say, is I have had prophetic words, and I love, uh, Tammy has kept a list for years of prophetic words in our church, and this is what I've found: is, um, when I receive a prophetic word that if it doesn't, re- if it doesn't resonate with you, because here's the thing, Jesus tore the veil, so you have access to God. When I'm speaking, it doesn't mean that I have more access to God than you do. Not at all. It might mean that I'm encouraging something that already exists, or it might be like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Put it on the shelf. It's amazing how many prophetic words three years later make sense, that didn't make sense then. And it's amazing how they become confirmation of something you're uncertain of then. So don't discredit it or, or, or jump on it. Please don't take my word and suddenly go start a family, Justin. That's not what I said. <laughs> um, but you get what I'm saying. So if you have ever have a prophetic word, don't discredit it, but hold it. Hold it. Submit it to God. I, I would not take a prophetic word that I received from someone without personally taking time for prayer. And I just think sometimes we don't talk about that. Um, here's what I wanted to pray over. Scott, is, it, is this helpful a little bit? I don't, I don't know. I. I don't really know how to do this, so Amy can play keys. I'm good unless you're do you want keys, Johanna? Is this your discernment? Amy can play keys. That's perfect. You decide that, Johanna. I want to pray over Scott, though. I'll keep doing this. You musicians decide whatever you want to do to support or not support me. I want to pray over Scott. Yeah, it's terrific. You can be up here or not up here. That's all good. But don't walk away from me Someone's here we go. Just don't do it wrong, Justin. B flat. B flat. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you're in your seats, I encourage you right now. Um, it's easy to make everything. It's easy to make things in church spectator, but we're not a spectator church. Yeah, that's right. um, and I, I like to say this in Vernon. We haven't existed very long in Vernon. And I, I like to say it every once in a while because we have a lot of new people. And when we invite people onto team, people think like, okay, once they get enough team, they're going to stop doing that. And I'm like, just, you know. Wouldn't matter how many people are in the room, I'd still say participate. So it doesn't matter how many of you are in the room, you will always hear from our church that we believe in participation, because I believe that's what unlocks your ability to have that encounter with God. So as you're in the seats and I'm praying, I want you to pray with me. And maybe God wants to speak something to you right now. Maybe he wants to unlock something in you right now. So Scott, why don't you come up here? Here's what I, I feel. And here's maybe just another little piece. I, I know I'm going long. I'm sorry, Pastor Kim. I'll, I'll finish quickly. You can still come up here. Stay here. Stay here. Stop moving away. Is, um, in, in my development of, of a gift, of trying to figure out how to prophesy, one thing that I've learned I have to do is I have to say less. It's easy when you get a word from God to try and explain that out rather than trusting God to be sufficient with the word he gives. Uh, it's the same thing like discernment. I, I have a few people in our world that I know have the gift of discernment, but that doesn't mean they know what to do with it. They will walk into a room and say something's wrong, but if they try to expand on that, then they're adding them flesh to it, and they don't actually know what's wrong. They just know something's wrong, right? And so uh, allow your gift to be simple, <laughs> right? Don't, like, I'm not going to prophesy dates, like, in two weeks' time. No, I don't, I don't have that. I've got a word. <laughs> Let that be sufficient. This is, the, this is the word I have for Scott, presence over progress. Um, and I, I thought of this, is Martin Luther, uh, who was part of the Reformation of the Catholic Church. He, I think it's Martin Luther, I might be mistaking now, but that's fine. He would say, um, the quote would say, that I have so much to do uh, that he, he would pray two hours a day, and when he was really busy, he would pray three hours a day. And what he said was, "I have so much to do, I can't but pray first. And and that's what I feel is that sort of idea is that um, your progress will diminish if you don't take time for the presence first. And you will think that it's, you will think that it's um, uh, counterproductive, but it will be a multiple, It'll be a multiplication of production. If you give space for the presence first, the progress will take less time. But if you give space for the progress first, there will never be enough time. It's it's the um, it's this state it's this scripture in, in Proverbs. It says the world that's generous gets bigger and bigger. That's absurd. And the world that's stingy gets smaller and smaller. That's absurd. It's the same truth. Is the word if you're generous with the presence of God and that time in your space, the progress will be easy. So God, I pray that word, that if it means something, that it resonates, God, that he would take it and and seek you after it and that alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're doing good. You haven't messed up yet. It's good. Tabor, I want to pray over you. You can stand just where you are right now. I don't have to come up here. The word I have for you is consecration. I don't know if it means anything to you or not. Have you ever heard the word consecration? Okay. I think it's a churchy word, so I don't know. That's it. Consecration. And my suggestion is that you pray to God and ask him to tell you what that means. That's it. You may be seated. I couldn't even tell you what it means, so. I have another word here, but it's not for someone who's in the room, so um, I'll leave it at the moment. Here's here's how we're going to close is um, at the end of the service here, we're going to open up the altar, and we're going to have a time of prayer. Uh, if you have something that you have a prayer request for, I, I'd love for you to come. But specifically, what I'd like to open up the altar is for two things. Altar, sorry, when I say that is just the front of the room, and and we call it the altar in church because it relates back to the temple and there being a place of sacrifice. And this is what I've learned: is when you come for prayer, there's a place of sacrifice. You know, when you come to prayer, when you pray to God, it isn't just God giving you gifts. And it's not like going to Santa Claus and you send a letter and he sends gifts. Santa Claus isn't real. but It's okay. But actually, when you go to God, he first strips something from you. You come to the altar and something dies there so something can be resurrected. And usually that's the dissonance between what we want and what we have. Is we want the the gift from God, but we're not willing to make the sacrifice to him. So that's why we call it an altar because actually when you come up for prayer, whatever it is, healing, breakthrough financially, it's, it's gonna require something from you. I wish when I prayed for restoration in relationships that God sent that person to restore the relationship to me. He doesn't, he sends me to restore the relationship. I wish that when I asked God for breakthrough in my finances that a check came in the mail. He doesn't, he asked me to give something. but God, I need money. Yeah, but give what's in your hand because then you're trusting me with what I said I would do. It's always a sacrifice. But here's what we're going to do is we're going to open up this and we have a prayer team here in the church and I want to pray for two things. One is if, uh, is I want to pray if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you uh, recognize Jesus as the Lord, we want to pray for that subsequent baptism, that you would be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the normal evidence of speaking in tongues. Sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? But you need the power that the praying in tongues will give to you. You need the power that the Holy Spirit infilled in you. Now, we believe that there is is a baptism and a constant infilling. So if you feel dry, for lack of another word, if you feel, if you're someone in the space that maybe felt like you couldn't feel the presence of God in worship, I think you should be at the altar. Still your choice. But I think that means it's time for an infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life just make it as simple as possible. You still get the choice, but I'm saying, hey, I think this is the thing that will unlock the thing that you want unlocked, but you haven't made the choice yet. Does that help? Would you bow your heads? Uh, Justin's going to keep playing up here. Uh, And as I'm praying here, I'd love for the prayer team to come up right now. Um, And then at the end of my prayer, if you're coming for prayer, please, please come up now. I just want to Sometimes I can be really unclear in this stuff, that's all, so. Why don't you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your presence is available to us and that your power is available to us. God, we thank you that you died and you rose again. You didn't stay in the tomb so that we would serve just the list of rules, but you rose again and brought your Holy Spirit to comfort us, to empower us, to equip us, and to be a a relevant help in our time of need. God, I pray for the people who have a time of need right now, God. I thank you that your Holy Spirit was sent as a solution for your time of need. God, I pray for courage in this space right now, God. I pray for courage for people to believe again for something that they've let dormant, to let the Holy Spirit out of the back room closet that they may have put him in, God that they would encounter the power and strength and might that he has for them. God, I pray that you would meet us in this space, God, that, that your Holy Spirit would meet us. Not something we can do by our strength or by our might, but by you alone, we pray. God, I thank you for a church that believes in you, that trusts in you, that rests in you. God, would you be glorified? Would you be praised? Would you be honored in this space? In Jesus' name we pray.